Welcome back to Koinonia, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Vocab Malone. I'm normally hosting Urban Theologian Radio, which airs here on 1360 KPXQ every Sunday night at 5 p.m. Hey, but today I'm filling in for my main man, Tom Brown, talking about good reasons to study black church history. And later on, we're going to actually introduce you to three folks I would like you to know. But they're all dead, but the guy in the studio with me is not dead. Jay Miles, how you doing? Doing pretty good. All right, so he's been uh, rolling, and we've been uh, doing this together, and I think it's been going well. So check this out. Last reason we got into before we had to jump out because of the break is reason number three, but let me review the other two first. Reason number one why to study black church history is to glorify God and his providence. Look back at history, see the Lord's working, give him praise. Number two, to grow in your affection for God's people. You see their trials, you see their travails, you see their brothers and sisters, you see their heart, you see their passion, you see their energy. It's exciting. You grow in your love for them. Reason number three, to be better equipped for missions. Let's start breaking down that reason. So uh, how would you fill that reason out, Mr. J. Miles? Yeah, um, studying black church history, man, we need to be, it helps equip us for missions because, um, to put it simply, um, it helps us to study different contexts or different cultures that may be different than ours and know how the gospel powerfully speaks to a certain people group in a certain demographic. Um, it's critical for doing mission is to understand the people that you're talking to. I think we see Jesus do that when he's um, speaking to the woman at the well in John 4, but also when he's speaking to Nicodemus in John 3. His ability to navigate both both individuals was right. totally different because they were different people. And so how how the gospel applied to them, what they needed to hear about who God was, Jesus was able to navigate that perfectly. So I think that... Um, Studying black church history better equips us for, for missions because of the fact that we know the history of a people group. How did they get to where they are today? To where they are today? Um, what things have they gone through? What things are still hurdles for them in some instances? Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things are great. And black, studying black church history definitely equips us for missions and I think really practical ways. So when we say missions, do we mean that if you study this, uh, it'll be better when we go to Jamaica? Is that the only thing we might mean? Uh, not necessarily. Right. Not necessarily. I think even in America. Yes. Um, the different America is a multi-ethnic. Yes. Country. Um, a multicultural country, and so I think um navigating those things, we definitely can't just assume that oh, because we're American, we're all the same. Um, now nah, th- this place is a place where there are multiple different uh multiple people groups that live here in America, and even navigating. Okay, these people are different than me culturally, ethnically. What is unique about them so that I'm better equipped to speak the gospel into their life and even, you know, appreciate my brothers and sisters that are already in the faith. Um, Appreciate them for, guess what, God has saved you. You're unlike me. There's no reason for us to just become the same and have everyone assimilate into one culture. But guess what? The Lord wants to redemptively have you express his lordship in the culture that he's allowed you to be in with the ethnicity that he's allowed you to that he's allowed you to have by his sovereignty and by his grace. So, um, man, there is so much there, um, that equips us for missions when we understand that, guess what? God is saving people from different tribes, tongues, and nations. And guess what? He wants to expose what it, what it looks like for those 
ethnicities, those cultures to glorify him as Lord, even in even in areas where, guess what, they don't look the same. Yeah, and that message is right out of Paul's sermon. Mm-hmm. He gives at the Areopagus there in Acts 17, verse 26 says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is not actually far from each one of us. Mm. Now check that out. Paul is saying that the reason your skin color is the way it is is because God has sovereignly ordained that it would be so. The reason why you were born speaking the language you speak is because God chose it to be that way. God has a purpose and a reason for those things, and we want to see how God's purposes have worked out in history. And check this out. Josh, what do you think would a good dose of the of, of the good side of black church history? I don't just mean, you know, um, naming some prosperity preacher on TV who's mm-hmm. not so hot, whose doctrine we ain't feeling. I'm talking about the good, robust stream of orthodox doctrine that's just boom, like a backbone right through there. Do you think a good steady dose of that would help in even inner city context? Like what about going back where you're from? Tell people maybe where you're from. What do you think some of these messages, could they be helpful in, in even an inner city mission type context? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of times, um, even when you're talking about missions, it's I think it's helpful when you can say, guess what? There are people that have gone before you that look like you that the Lord has faithfully saved, um, that the Lord has faithfully used um, in, in times past in order to like bring bring the truth of who he is to them. Um, right. So what if somebody says you've uh I in case you don't know, there can be a refrain sometimes as you witness, especially maybe somebody who came up in the city, present them Christianity. Sometimes you'll hear somebody say that's a white man's religion. Yep. yep. Do you think a l- little bit of this helps put the lie to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if somebody only knows of negative things of black church history, which is a shame, this helps. And so this is going to help us for mission. And lastly, we're talking about reason number three being to be equipped for mission. Check this out. Check this out. Some of these dudes were missionaries to the hard, to the core. And their example was an inspiration. John Morant, he was ostracized from his own family. He's called America's first black preacher. And so what did he do? Wandered into the wilderness singing Isaac Watts songs, found a Native American hunter, hung out with him, then went and witnessed to the Cherokee in his area. They got saved and then went to three or four other neighboring tribes, then went over to the UK. Then they sent him to a settlement in Canada. In Nova Scotia, then he ministered there and carried on a great work there, then set them up, and they went to Sierra Leone in a place called Freetown. That's just one guy I just mentioned. Talk about a missionary zeal in the midst of real, you know, struggle and oppression, because we're talking, you know, the 1700s. George Lyle, I mean, when I'm, he's the first American missionary. Nobody knows about George Lyle, and he's the first, it wasn't Hudson Taylor. I mean, uh, it wasn't anybody else. Those They're all cool. But I'm saying George Law was the first American missionary, and guess what? He's black. Yeah. But why don't you know about him? But we want you to know about him. Yeah. So we're starting to sh- show you that, too, because we think that's helpful to see people witnessing co- cross-culturally themselves. Absolutely. And it kind of gives us some fire. So with that— And I, I think even for me, just um, 
I think a lot of times we see the, you know, the reform tradition, you know, as of right now, uh, or or all these different movements taking place in America right now. And even for myself, learning that this isn't new. Um, this isn't something that's just brand spanking new. I think we feel the freshness of it, the the weightiness of it's actually a movement, and it's not just happening in individual places. Right. But just the reality that, guess what? There have been black men that have gone before us that were theologically beefy, that right. were, you know, that had depth to them when it came to the scriptures. And so I think just knowing that, it's like, oh, man, this isn't, I'm not the first one on the scene that, right. you know, all of a sudden, like, I understand the Bible right. <laughs> for what it is, um, and I'm not on, you know, some crazy heresies. Um, right. I think understanding those things, once again, it connects all three points like we've been talking about. So let's go to right to one of those guys. Now we're going to introduce you to three people we want you to know, uh, three black Christians you should know. Number one, Lemuel Haynes. He's one of those theologically beefy guys that you were talking about. Let me introduce you a little bit to Lemuel Haynes, and then Jay Miles pick up whenever you want. He was born July 18th, uh, 1753, in West Hartford, Connecticut, and uh he had a black father and a white mother. Now, that would not be an easy way to come up back then. And in fact, because of embarrassment, he was abandoned. And so he was an orphan from from jump. And he says in his bio that he knew not only extreme poverty, but the worst kind of orphanage. But at five months, this is beautiful, a Puritan family from Massachusetts, David Rose, who was a deacon, he essentially adopted Haynes in. Haynes recalled that this man was a man of singular piety. And so he was a form of indentured servant. But what that meant is his servanthood would end at 21. And in fact, he loved the family so much when he turned 21, he stayed with them. Well, they introduced him to Christianity. And around 9 or 10 years old, uh, he had an experience. I'm going to read you a little snapshot of his conversion. I remember I often had serious impressions or fearful apprehensions of going to hell. I spent much time in what I called secret prayer. I was one evening greatly alarmed by the Aurora Borealis, or Northern Lights. It was in that day esteemed a presage of the Day of Judgment. For many days and nights I was greatly alarmed, through fear or appearing before the bar of God, knowing that I was a sinner. I cannot express the terrors of mind that I felt. One evening, being under an apple tree mourning my wretched situation, I found the Savior. I always visit the place when I come to Granville, and when I can, I pluck some fruit from the tree and carry it home. It is sweet to my taste. So there Haynes is recounting his conversion, which is a beautiful thing. It's funny, you know, the uh, Northern Lights, people back then thought it was a sign of judgment. It must be like currently, you know, our blood moon or something. <laughs> There's something going on. must be the end. But the Lord used that to bring him to salvation. Now check this out. Then he becomes a Minuteman. Signs up in 74, served with George Washington's forces in 1775. Now, what's the, um, in your mind, the trippy thing about him serving with the Revolutionary Army with the side of the Patriots? That's, Do you see the irony? <laughs> that's crazy, man. What's the irony? Uh, Fighting man. for freedom. freedom. Yeah. Meanwhile, black people in America don't have freedom. Yeah. And he noticed that himself. And in fact, he wrote a wonderful essay called Liberty Further Extended, in which he points people to the Declaration of Independence as well as to Act 17, which talks about God made all people. And so Haynes, using Imago Dei imagery, that's we're all created in the image of God, pushed for the equal rights that we all deserve in his writings. Now, when we come back, we're going to continue with Haynes and talk about his pastoral ministry. You want to say anything about Haynes before we jump out of this break? 
man, I just I think it's crazy that he was a black pastor over a white congregation in the 1800s. That's just ah. Yeah, that doesn't even happen today sometimes. So. And the, yeah, we're going to talk about that when we come back about his pastoral ministry. So uh, we gave you the reasons why you should study black church history. Now we're introducing you to three folks. We're in the middle of Lemuel Haynes. Don't go anywhere. I'm Vocab Malone of Urban Theologian Radio sitting in for Tom Brown on Coin and with Jay Miles. See you back in a bit, baby.